look around here. Oh yeah, I'm gonna take that hat because I've been looking for a black hat. I haven't been able to find one these days and I'm just gonna walk out of the store. Hey, freeze, LAPD. Okay, hi officer, I'm so sorry. I did not mean to do this. Uh, you are going to receive a demerit for this. You are in so much trouble. What's a demerit exactly? Oh. Don't even get me started on a demerit. After a demerit, after three demerits, you get a citation. Okay, and what does a citation do exactly? Let's just put it like this. Four citations, and you'll have a violation. Okay, and what happens when I get a violation? Two violations, and I write up a written report that's three pages long on how you hurt my feelings. Okay, I'm just going to lower my arms, and I think I'm going to go... Back to the store, grab these headphones. Don't do that. that. That's one demerit right there. That doesn't sound very I will very give you another scary. demerit. Okay, I'm just going to... fast tracking to a citation, ma'am. I'm, I'm just going to go. This... Officer, thank you for your time, I guess. Don't and you... Uh, thank you for the free uh, stuff as well. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and scene. Oh, uh, guys, this is not far off from what is actually happening here in the state of California and other states alike, but not not as not as bad as it's happening here in California. It is extremely unfortunate. We have a few stories we are going to get into today to sort of go over all the things that are happening, not only in the state of California, but across the nation. We're going to be talking about the rise and all of these crimes happening in this state in particular. Chris Cuomo being fired from CNN. We're going to be talking about Black Lives Matter calling for a boycott of all white businesses here in America, as well as doing Dear Will and Amala Live, where you guys submitted your advice questions to us, and we're going to feature you guys and answer them, hopefully to the best of our abilities. Now, Will is not here today. As you'll notice, there is an empty oh, chair. We should have put the pillow there. We should have put, yeah, we should have put the pillow oh. of Will's head there, but Taylor is joining back at from the, the main dead. table. Yeah, he's back. He's back at the main table to give commentary uh, in, in Will's absence. So welcome back, Taylor. I'm very glad to be here and not <laughs> on my couch suffering from an illness. Right. That was not COVID. Exactly. I tested negative. So, yeah. So Taylor's back. He's doing good. Couldn't hold me down. Only normal. a couple of days. Right. Right. It's, yeah. It's almost back. I still have a little bit of the depth in the voice left. Um, and I hope I can keep it because I sound much more manly. But, I should take uh, this hat off. I know. I was yeah. going to say. That's the wonders of the wonders of the human immune system there. <laughs> Guys, let's get into the first story here. We opened with me committing a crime and not getting in trouble because that's exactly what's happening in the state of California for a lot of petty crimes and misdemeanors. We're seeing an uptake in what is referred to as smash and grab robberies. Now, here's this article out of the Washington Examiner. 14 smash and grab suspects released, uh, some through California's zero bail policy. So essentially what has happened here, a smash and grab incident or uh, crime is when people go to a storefront, smash it open, run inside, grab whatever they want, and then they leave and they go about their businesses. Now, this has been happening uh, over and over again all over the state of California. San Francisco seeing the bearing the brunt of it and L.A. sort of seeing an uptick in it now. You've heard stories out of the Grove here in Los Angeles, Nordstrom Rack being robbed by 30 plus criminals all at one time and many of them getting away uh, without any repercussions whatsoever. And those who are arrested are put out on zero bail and get to go right back out on the street again. It is just amazing. We, we die diagnosed a problem, right? We said, hmm, we've got a lot of people in jail for petty theft under under a thousand dollars. Maybe they walked into uh, a Nordstrom or a Mac. They stole some makeup. They stole a T-shirt. What do we do about this crime? How about we just decriminalize it? 
how about we just make sure that there's no repercussions for this? They have zero bail that they have to pay and they just get to go right back out into the street. This is going to solve our problems, right? I, I, for one, am completely shocked that when you remove the penalties for committing crimes, that crime increases. I, just, how could our <laughs> leaders not have, have ever seen that coming? Yeah. How could anybody think that this is a good idea? Guys, can you put in the comments and try to justify this being a good idea? And if you can, I will I will give you claps right now. But I would go as far as to say that if you decriminalize something or say, hey, guys, if you do this, you're going to get out on zero bail. Uh, I think more people are going to commit that particular crime. That's exactly what's going to happen. And what's the unfortunate part of this is, is. Actually, you know what? Maybe maybe it is fortunate that that the people, the policymakers, the legislators in this case are actually starting to feel the weight of their legislation. This is not just affecting low income communities anymore. We talked about this movement, uh, the bail reform movement, the zero bail policies, all in the name of restorative justice and helping people who are low income and thinking you're helping people of color. And we looked at, in the face of these policymakers and told them, hey, you know what? If you advocate for this type of policy, guess what's going to happen? These low income uh, colored communities that you are trying to help are going to be hurt the worst by it. That's where the crime is going to happen. If you defund the police, there's going to be nobody there to respond to it. We said this, we warned it happened, but guess what? There's something different about this because now this is not just happening in lower income communities. It's happening in middle income communities. It's happening in higher income communities, and it is starting to seep into all corners of our society. And guess what? That's where the policymakers are. That's where the legislators are. They are going to feel this. Yeah, and now the LA Times is coming out with pieces on, oh, why is crime increasing? Now right. that, you know, the, what was it, the mother-in-law of the Netflix uh, CEO or like his wife's mom um, was shot inside her own home, an 80-year-old woman in Beverly Hills yeah. um, by, a, by a burglar. And when it happens to the, the ruling class, then mm -hmm. now there's, there's that attention that's coming in. But when as long as the policies were only harming the people in, like you were saying, communities, uh, with, uh, poorer communities, communities where there's more minorities, that they, they don't care. Yep. It, yeah, it's the same thing of like uh, black on black crime that happens. And, and the narrative is, oh, the police are so bad instead of you could increase the police and it would lead to less crime um, in those communities if you really cared about black lives and wanted yep. to save them. But instead of doing the thing that's effective, that solves the problems, you ignore it until it until apparently it affects your neighborhood. And that's the problem with a lot of just radical progressivist policy is that they look at a problem and right now they've diagnosed the problem as, OK, too many black people or too many Hispanic people are in prison for this particular crime. What do we do about that? And you could look at that and go, okay, well, we need to deter that crime. And we can do that through policing. We can do that through uh, crime and punishment. We can do that through education. We can do that through cultural shifts within those communities. Or we could do the most radical form of reform and say, no, we're just going to decriminalize that certain act. And instead of hitting all the bases where you become preventative in these things, you try to deter, you increase police presence. They go, no, I want the most radical form of policy. Mm -hmm. I want to decriminalize this so that we can save all the people of color who would fall victim to this sort of uh, to this sort of society, to this sort of policy. And it does not work. And it is going to start to affect the people who make the policy. It's going to be their restaurants. It's going to be their street. It's going to be their children, unfortunately. And this is something that we try to warn against and still they don't listen. Yeah. And I think there's something to be said when you talk about uh, criminal justice reform, et cetera. It's like there, there have been a lot of reforms in recent years around like possession of small amounts of marijuana, whatever you think about that. Mm -hmm. It, that is something that, uh, 
whenever the, the people who are arrested for that are put away for like a long amount of time or whatever, like you, there's an argument there to be said that, okay, this is too harsh for something that ha- barely affects anybody. And there we can, we can talk about sensible yep. reform right. in those areas, but this goes way beyond that to where it's just this narrative based reform where it's like, we just need to implement this sweeping policies of letting everyone out on zero bail. And there's no thought put into the actual consequences of the policies that you're putting into place. It's just this broad ideological based thing instead of something practical, mm-hmm. something, something measured instead of something. Okay. Well, if we let up on uh, sentencing in this area, how does it affect the crime rates? And right. like, let's take a actual sensible, tactical, thoughtful approach on here. That's not what they're doing. It's total ideology driven, yep. totally media narrative driven. And the people voting for for it. I know people in LA they, that, that like vote for these policies for the most part, I think are just like people who are not very well informed and just think, oh yeah, we should be, you know, I don't want to put people away for petty crime for a right. long time and I want to be nice and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And so the, they just check that box. And then what ends up happening is they're, they're literally that check on the box is what destroys their city and makes it not safe to leave your home. Um, and you have to look over your shoulder. What, what did you say, tell me that the police recommend that you don't check your phone while you're walking down the street in yeah. LA? because uh, you're taking your attention off of potentially being mucked. Yeah, for any Los Angelinos watching right now, your mayor, Eric Garcetti, said this, uh, said that we should be far more aware of our surroundings, a little bit more paranoia when we go out, check your surroundings and make sure there are no criminals around you and spend less time on your phone when you're shopping just in case some robber wants to come and jack your stuff. You, you do it. You take yeah. care of it. You be more aware. You check your phone less. Lower your expectations exactly. about what's supposed to happen when you leave your house. Don't don't expect me to make you to give a crime free city to you or at least to try to do that. Don't expect me to protect you and your children. Lower your expectations about what the government and what your local city councils are supposed to do for you, ladies and gentlemen. It's the confidence for me. It's, it's the like confidence. for the for your mayor and your police to like look at you as a citizen in the face and just be like, oh, no, you just need to be more vigilant when you're walking from your car into your house. No, stop. It's your fault for looking at your phone. Yep. and being distracted. You could have seen that mugger coming. It's like, why is there a mugger on my street in my safe neighborhood in the first place? Yeah. That is the that is the issue that you are tasked to solve. That's why I pay taxes. That's why I'm a citizen of this city, this state. And uh, you're not giving me the bare minimum. It's like, I can't take kids to my kids to the park if you have kids to take to the park in LA because it's overrun with needles and, uh, and yeah, people shooting up right in front of you and sleeping on high on fentanyl and all this stuff. And it's like... The bare minimum is a usable park. Yep. And we're not even talking about how to improve quality of life. We're below zero in, in, in the city. And, and this is the case in all the progressive run cities in America. Yeah. And it's not just public spaces anymore. It's private spaces. There's a video here that I won't show because it's actually close to where I live, uh, where there is a woman with her baby uh, walking with her stroller about to leave her gated community or or entering her gated community. You can't really tell by the footage. And two men walk up to her, corner her against a wall where she lives and just steal her bag. They steal her baby diaper. They steal her bottle cooler for her baby's milk and just leave. 
And that's amazing. We see videos that are not far from where we work of men walking up to tables at restaurants with a gun pointing at these people and stealing their wallets, stealing their watches, stealing their bags. And this is happening at an increasing rate. And you can look at the stats on this. While the robberies are increasing here in the state of California, the arrests have decreased significantly, several percentage points. How is this okay? And what's going to happen is not only are small businesses and large franchises going to leave your state, people aren't going to live here anymore. It's not safe to live here anymore. It's not. And it's a, it's tragic because it's totally preventable. It, this, we have this habit of progressives have a habit of manufacturing crises through mm-hmm. their bad policies. And that this could easily be the, you know, you got the, you got the weather already, but you occupy it with this, the, with leadership that implements policies that allow crime, homelessness to proliferate that are tax you heavier than any other state and just make life very expensive, unlivable. The housing's too expensive. It's just, it's totally preventable. It's completely manufactured crises. And sadly, we're starting to see this on some of the federal level, but uh, we're not going to go there right now. Yeah. Yeah. It's all over the place. And it's not just these robberies uh, and home invasions, trespassing, things like that. Here's an article out of City Journal talking about homicide. Uh, According to the CDC data released last month, 2020, bore witness to the largest rate of increase in homicides record recorded in modern history uh finding that tracks with fbi data now murder rose 29 percent from 2019 to 2020 surpassing the previous record 12.7 percent spike from 1967 to 1968 so this dates back nearly 60 years uh since we've seen an increase like this and it is more than double yeah more than double the biggest other increase ever right in a year and this is what we're living through 29 percent increase year over year yep that is insane and we want to talk about black people being disproportionately affected by our, our culture and what's happening in our society the rise in black homicide victims from 2019 to 2020 was almost twice as big as the rise of white victims 28 percent to 16 man black lives matter but black lives matter right and we need to save black lives but the way that we save black lives according to black lives matter is boycotting white businesses that's what they're doing to save black lives and and here's that article here uh black lives matter has called for a month-long boycott of white companies it's it's such a red herring black lives matter should be the biggest advocate for increasing policing in in the nation. They should be the number one proponent of greater police presence in crime-ridden communities. Um, But instead, they advocate for these zero bail policies. They advocate for lesser punishment on on things. And then they're worried about uh, boycotting white businesses and just perpetuating a racial division and racialized narratives instead of actually solving solvable problems. And they are directly leading to black deaths. And so it's the opposite of Black Lives Mattering to you, apparently. It is the opposite. And we talked about this before. It's like you need to always look at who are the silent or unheard victims of what you advocate for. And in this case, it is wholeheartedly people of color and black people specifically in our communities. It's the same thing when it comes to decriminalizing uh, different crimes here. Black people are going to be the most affected. Defunding the police, black people are going to be the most affected. Uh, Everything that Black Lives Matter does has no effect, no positive effect on black lives. Yet they still hold this sort of pedestal within our society when it comes to activism and progressivism that's not progressive. I will will correct you, Amala. Black Lives Matter does help the black lives of the founders (laughs) 
who buy multiple mansions across the United States and do God knows what with their tens of millions of dollars in donations. Right. And in white neighborhoods. That blows my mind that the the founders of Black Lives Matter, specifically Patrice Cullors, if you want a direct example, are paying for millions and millions of dollars worth of real estate that they amass through getting money through BLM and then are buying up mansions in white neighborhoods and living there. (laughs) <laughs> this is what your black square helped contribute to. You raised awareness. So people gave donations to right. Patrice Cullors so she could buy more mansions in white neighborhoods. And just think, don't we all feel it. great about that though? Don't, don't we, we just oh, feel warm and cuddly inside after posting our black square and yeah. supporting this movement that is doing so much to help black people await. You know what? If I saw Black Lives Matter come out and actually give their money to the black community and actually do something yeah. good, I would go, here's a good thing that Black we Lives Matter did. We would be first did. to celebrate it. Yes, we would be the first to celebrate it. We would be the first to talk about it, to put that up on a pedestal and say, here's an organization that I fundamentally disagree with doing something good. But they're not. And not only have we seen it in the actions of their founders and the people who work for him, but we've heard from the mothers and the fathers of the victims that they claim to uphold, saying we have haven't seen a dime of that money Mm -hmm. you've done nothing for my community you've done nothing for me after losing my son you've done nothing for me after losing my daughter as we heard from brianna taylor's mother so where where is that going and why do they constantly work on new campaigns and still hold the same sort of pedestalized position that they hold it really is a tragedy because there are there are major problems. There mm-hmm. are black people dying in the streets that yep. are being shot. There's infant children. Um, there's there's a, a Twitter thread. I forget the guy's name right now, but of just every time one of these kids is is shot is shot in the caught in the crossfire in Chicago gang violence or whatever, he just posts a picture of them and tells their story. And it's like these are real people and real children, innocent children that are being murdered and killed in the streets. And that isn't a real issue that Black Lives Matter could be bringing attention to if they right. actually cared about black lives. But but they care about being political advocates for the left or they care about lining their pockets. I don't know what they care about, but uh, it's very sad that they're not they're, they're content to allow the issues to be perpetuated and not uh, use. It's sad because they have so much attention and so much of the their their. They're taking all of the energy that comes with the, like the racialized tension in America and yep. they're like profiting on it or they're just perpetuating these false narratives instead of actually solving problems. And that to me is the greatest tragedy of all. Yeah. Black Lives Matter has an amazing opportunity and an amazing platform to do something great and they refuse to do so. I want to read more from this article about what their plans are for the, the duration of this year. So the Black Lives Matter movement's national arm is leading a boycott of white companies until New Year's Year's Day. So that's going to do a whole lot. Encouraging supporters to help end white supremacist capitalism by visiting only black-owned businesses during the holiday shopping season. They say, quote, white supremacist capitalism uses policing to protect profits and steal black life. Skip the Black Friday sales and buy exclusively from black-owned businesses. We dream of a hashtag Black Christmas. That means no spending with white companies from 11 26 2021 to 1 1 2022 black xmas black xmas if somebody from black lives matter could get in the comment section or send me a dm and tell me how this does anything for black lives other than a small boost and maybe black small business please explain this to me please explain why you would choose segregationist 
just buying and consumerism over actually doing something for the black community. Please explain. And white supremacist capitalism uses policing to take profits. Like, what are you even talking about? So (laughs) a little bit of looting might take your profits. I I might know in a way in about that. I don't know about this. It seems so detached from reality They're and they're using all these like words. And these are the people who said we're trained Marxists right. and they're, that's what they're doing. They're looking at the world through this Marxist critical race theory lens. And then they're just uh, pontificating about and standing, standing over the, the bodies of warm bodies of black victims of black on black crime. Yeah. And you, you, and just blaming this capitalist Marxist system and funneling all that energy to try to take down America. Right. And answer me this. When you buy from a black business, is that not capitalism? <laughs> like, I don't understand how you're fighting capitalism yeah. for buying. From- <laughs> yeah. yeah. Let's take down capitalism, support black businesses. Yeah, like, wait, right. what? <laughs> and That's I always, it is, it is. It's like what you are, you are directly contributing to capitalism from buying from black businesses as you should, because capitalism is great for black people. It's great for white people. It's great for Asian people. It's great for Hispanic people. Well done. Free market capitalism is great for New anybody who wants to participate in it so your gripe is truly not with capitalism be honest and say that your gripe is with white people and white businesses yeah i mean a black person an asian person a native american person anyone the uh the market does not care what color you are they They care whether what you the the product that you're or service that you're offering is valuable and if it's uh competitively priced and if it's worth if if you do a better job than the people you're competing against then they don't care what color you are you will succeed and that's what's so sad i get that's just such the biggest eye roll ever of this when you look on like hulu and it's like here's all of our black written films and our black voices and the black this and that. And it's like, it, what, where is this coming from? Right. And this, this need. And then it, what it does is like robs black people who just succeed on the merits of their work and, and their, uh, their businesses or whatever it may be on their own. It robs them of the rewards of it because now you're just, you're putting them up on this pedestal and giving them this like false patronizing, like, you know, here's what we should celebrate you just because you're black instead of, wow, you are an amazing artist that happens to be black, which is cool, but you, you created this awesome thing or you created this awesome business. And instead we're, we're flipping it upside down and racializing everything. And it, it really does a disservice to black creators, black business owners all around. It does. And Black Lives Matter and a lot of these leftist campaigns claim to be providing agency. They say we are now giving agency to black people, to Hispanic people, never to Asians, because apparently they don't care about Asians, but black and Hispanic people, we are giving them agency. Actually, you're doing the exact opposite. You are robbing them of agency. Mm -hmm. You are saying it no longer matters what your mind thinks, what your values are, what you produce, what your merit is. It matters that you're black and I'm going to help you because of that. And it steals all agency from them. So I take a long large issue with people saying, oh, well, we're giving them agency. We're giving them a voice. No, you're not. You're, you're stealing that power away from them. Yeah. And you're, you're using them to virtue signal. Yep. Uh, you know, you're literally like exploiting their blackness mm-hmm. for to make yourself look better by saying, look what a nice person I am by pointing out how uh, we should help black people and how, how much you need my help to it's, it's, it's like the, it's the white savior complex. It's like, look, I'm, I'm the executive at Hulu and aren't I a great person for, 
you know, putting this little seg- section on our on our featured content that says, oh, look, at this is made by black creators. And mm-hmm. it's really about making ourselves feel better. And then it's making if you're watching you, you people watching you virtue signal and you feel good about yourself for like, oh, yeah, I'm going to support these narratives and stuff. And I, what's bothered me lately is I've seen churches do it and church have these like racial justice list of resources on their website. And they're even like recommending like Netflix made movies about black issues and stuff uh, just to try to highlight these things. And it's like all this woke pandering stuff. And it's yeah. like, it's, it's everywhere. And when you hear it stated side by side and you really go, not, you don't have to take a deep look, just a superficial look at the way this ideology works. You can see how wrong it is. You ask a leftist, okay, what, what are we battling when it comes to systemic racism? They go, okay, well, we're, we're battling the tenets of, of white supremacy that were laid down in American society during slavery and during Jim Crow. Okay. Leftist, can you explain those tenets to me? Well, one was segregation. We separated black people and white people and we devalued black people in doing so okay uh where does that exist now today well it really doesn't because we're all together and we are all owning businesses and we are all functioning in society and we all have the same rights is there any legislation that makes a black person different from a white person well no okay well what is your solution to this proposed systemic racism separating black people and white people and devaluing the work of black people in doing so. So using the exact same tenets of Jim Crow, but just with your rainbowy umbrella of mm-hmm. justice and restorative power and empowerment and emboldenment, that makes it better. It obviously doesn't. Yeah, you you put a veneer uh, of of social justice, racial justice, and this racism. Uh, suddenly is no longer racist apparently but that that's ultimately what it is because you are having the fact that you feel the need to uh pander to and like coddle black people is racist Mm -hmm. the fact that that is a racist idea the fact that you want to segregate and do all this stuff that is racism but you put this veneer of social justice on it and suddenly somehow that makes it okay it's like no let's call it what it is yeah you're racist I've, I see black people as equal to me. Yep. Therefore, I don't feel the need to say we need to ma- uh, do all this affirmative action stuff. We need to, you know, p- p- make all these store displays about black owned businesses and all this type of stuff. It's like you're insecure about yep. y- your own uh, sensibility about equality. If you're feeling the need to, to pander and to like, quote unquote, elevate black people, you don't really believe in equality. You don't believe they're equal to you. Yep. And that, that's racist. And once you implant that in a young kid's brain, it will carry them for carry with them for a really long time. And it's going to make them less successful because we know that capitalism makes black people successful. I think for any of you who struggle with the narrative of systemic racism, because there's a lot of conservatives who still believe that there's systemic racism here in America. A good book that I would recommend to you is Discrimination and Disparities by Tom Sowell. It's right there behind you. On it your is side. behind me. Yeah, go, go read that book as well as where's Tom. <laughs> Tom's there behind me as well. Read that book. It will dispel nearly every single myth that is associated with systemic racism here in America today and you will have a greater understanding of what the black experience is like what it was like historically and really how we are robbing black people of successful lives by promoting this narrative of systemic racism now I want to shift from the crime and the racism to it's sort of related we're going to shift to policing and talk about that now Seattle despite the beckoning calls from their constituents to refund police is continuing their defund the police movement last week the city council voted eight to one for 2022 city budget that cuts police funding 
by more than $7 million. That slash comes after the city council cut the 2021 police budget by nearly $35.6 million or 9%. So now we're running at $42.6 million lowered for the, for the police. I'm glad Seattle is just leading the way in how to solve <laughs> issues of, uh, you know, crime or, you know, they're just making a utopian city for themselves by taking away their police. I'm sure nothing bad will happen coming from this. It's not like we have any indicators of this, of any other cities that have tried this, that, uh, that it ended poorly for them. So <laughs> it's going to be great. It's not like we're currently How? seeing Seattle see this uptake in crime. Yeah. It's not like they've already seen an uptake in crime by cutting the police, but let, let's just double down instead of saying, Oh, crime's rising. Maybe we should uh, allow the police to do their jobs and fund them so that they can protect people in minority and poor communities where the crime's most severe. No, let's just cut it even further. I'm going to, I'm going to uh, defund the police even harder yeah. after crime increases. It's like, okay, cool. Good good luck with that. Right. But the article writes, it could be worse if you can believe it. Kashama Sawant, who is the Socialist Alternative Party, made a lone vote against the budget because they wanted 50% cut. Oh my God. So the only vote against it <laughs> was the person who's like, you're not cutting enough. Right. Yeah. These people. I'm sorry. If you're in Seattle, I would leave. Like, <laughs> that is, that is wild to me. You like... You deserve it. If you're if these are the council people that you're voting for and that 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 the only one to vote against this resolution was the one who said, no, this doesn't go far enough in defunding the police. Like you're literally voting for anarchy. You're voting for you yourself to be mugged while you walk into your house after work like it's happening here in L.A. So you're again, manufactured crises. You are doing this by the policies you're voting for. You are, and you can see it. It is quite literally tangible. You can walk out of your door and you can see what is happening right in front of you. Now, how you can be a policymaker and see what's happening in Seattle right now with the uptick in crime and then go, let's defund the police another $7 million. It shows me that you, you either have to be, I mean, so brainwashed beyond repair, or you have to know exactly what you're advocating for and know that you're harming people. Some people just want to watch the world burn. Right. Michael Caine said it yeah. about the Joker and Dark Knight. I mean, but, they, you wouldn't be wrong. But I mean, that ultimately, though, under a, under a Marxist lens, that is what you want. You want yep. to burn Western civilization down. You want to burn America down to the ground and create. It's an obstacle to your utopia. It's not um, something that you can build off of or improve. It's something that is fundamentally racist, evil and white supremacist. And we need to dismantle it. And the police is the enforcers of this white supremacist and they're they're upholding it all yep. and this white supremacist capitalism so why not i mean it, this is in seattle but it goes hand in hand with that statement that blm um said of we need to dismantle this white supremacist capitalism that's upheld by the police that's what blm said and what is seattle doing they're implementing these these are these are poisonous ideas that are. are infecting like a, a, a their cancer that's spreading in western civilization and we need to, uh, to root it out and you know i I just find it so hard to believe that they can't see the lives that they're ruining by doing this. I find it very, very hard to believe that it's, they it's think willful, they're doing this. It's a willful blindness because I like, I mean, I'm, I'm trying not to be dramatic or sensational, but mm -hmm. there are the bodies of black children are on your streets. Right. 
It takes willful blindness to look at that, to look at the crime rates, to look at the crime rates in black communities. And then for your conclusion to be, we need to defund the police more. We need to make it easier for these people to die. Yep. How can you claim you care about black lives if your solution to black lives being taken on your streets is to take the only more away from the only force that's standing in between them and being shot? Yep. It, it's completely it. backwards. So it's a willful blindness. Yeah, it is. It's just, it is really, it's so disheartening to, to see it, to hear it, to have met police officers, to have worked with police officers. And you guys go watch our police ride along. It is on our YouTube channel and see oh, yeah. what it's like, see what they're doing. And I call this police officer that we went on the ride along with, and you'll see him featured in the video to check in with him and, and check in to see what, with the girls that he works with through the uh, projects that he does in these communities, uh, particularly in Watts, uh, the most dangerous neighborhood in all of Los Angeles. And it is so hard for them. I was uh, on the podcast a couple months ago. I had called him to get an update on the vlog because we were working on getting it out to you guys. And he said, I'm so sorry I couldn't call you back. We were dealing with so many murders in this city that we've just been too busy to even take calls and work on anything outside of that, to work on the projects that they're doing in the neighborhoods with these young kids, working on getting them in uh, extracurriculars, working in getting them to boarding schools, working in getting them uh, scholarships to college. They are too busy dealing with the crimes with the violence with the drugs with the prostitution with the straight up in the street light of day murders that they can't even work on truly helping the people in the community wake up man wake wake up, up. yeah and like i said blm should be the number one supporter of uh increasing and funding the police because that is who stands between black lives and them being shot in on their streets and you're not i don't see any of these act woke activists out there in the communities doing any of the things that you just uh, described that the police are doing and these are the police who do this on their voluntary extra right. time spend right. their own money and spend their own effort and blood and sweat and tears um investing in the young people in these communities and uh this, these are the people that you're saying are evil people that are upholding this white supremacist system and we need to take resources away from them and make it harder to do their jobs. Uh, and this is what you are patting yourself on the back about and saying I'm self-righteous and I'm supporting the right things. Like you might want to take a step back and look at the facts on the ground. Go there. Go there like Amala and Will did and we did uh, mm -hmm. to, and, and go on a ride along with police. See the reality that they face every day. I guarantee it'll change your perspective. Yeah, and I want to share just a couple of little tidbits that were not put in that vlog that you guys did not get to see. And it's the point of what police presence actually does to a community. And again, the most dangerous neighborhood in LA we went to. And what is happening is these, these neighborhoods are getting overrun with gang members that don't even live there these parents cannot let their kids go outside and throw a frisbee or play ball in their yard because there's gang members outside and their kid could get shot or there could be a fight or something and what these police officers do is, is immediately when they show up these parents take a deep breath and go okay my kid can go outside and play and if something happens which things still happen in police presence at least there's a police officer there to help and to facilitate whatever situation may arise there are mothers that come outside of their apartment or their condos or their duplexes and they take bleach and pour it on the front 
on the front steps of their house so that gang members, when they come to their neighborhood, don't feel comfortable sitting on their front porch and harassing them. That is the reality of what happens in these lower income communities. And when the police show up, people feel more comfortable to go outside and grill, to have their kids go outside, to have their kids go to school in the morning. And that's what you're robbing people of by saying, you know what, why don't we have a hundred less officers? Why don't we defund the police by the tune of 7 million or 30 million or whatever figure you want to throw out there? That's who you're harming. Yeah, and I mean, we t- people talk about social workers, but the social workers are not safe to go into these communities without right. the police presence, establishing a baseline of safety before you can even start to do anything to try to invest in these communities. Case in point, in that City Journal article that you referenced earlier, they talk about how a guy was was making a documentary, a filmmaker was in a in a poor neighborhood, I forget what city, most Chicago or Detroit or one of these cities, and was, was in a neighborhood making a, a film about gun violence mm-hmm. and about how to reduce it. And guess what? He got shot to death while he was going back to his car to get his camera equipment. And so, you know, you talk about like sending social workers or nonprofits into these communities. There needs to be a baseline of safety before you can even start to try to invest and rebuild anything. And the police are are the ones that have to be there to uh, establish that baseline of safety so that we can even start to rebuild. And like I almost said, like we mentioned this in the police vlog, but there are uh, there are people who live in the community that we went to in Watts that are would would sooner call in sick to work mm-hmm. than ask a gang member to move their car if their car is blocking their way out of the parking lot. That is, yep. that is, I don't know how many, 10, 12 miles away yep. from where we're sitting right now. That is yep. a reality that's faced every day. And I, the biggest takeaway for me from that, that ride along was because we met, we met this amazing young, two amazing young girls mm-hmm. who are just so talented. And so one of them is a junior uh, boxer, like one of the best in the country mm-hmm. and a training for junior Olympics. And, but only, they only have a chance because the officers that we met invested yep. in their lives. But I just, I remember driving away. So like, uh, sad and sober because it's like how many more hundreds mm. and thousands of young kids net will never have a chance yep. because no officer d- had was able to go to their house yep. because their their home wasn't able their neighborhood wasn't able to be made safe mm-hmm. no there wasn't anyone like officer steve to invest in them and put them up in boarding school or do anything to to get them out of this cycle and they're just doomed to stay in this because because of the policies that we've made yep and uh, the fact that we can't come to terms with that the fact that like just telling the truth and shining the light on it is not enough to to change minds is just maddening it is it's just yeah that's a very uh, a strong point to make it's like you have no idea how many lives and i mean young lives kids that would have no chance no chance in hell without these police officers coming and showing them the way out of their communities or how to do something great every time you defund a a police department and you get rid of these officers that's what you're taking away because very little time on the police officer's part is spent actually handcuffing somebody and taking them to go to jail so much of their time is spent getting to know the people in communities identifying kids who are of high risk of entering gangs or getting gangs or getting involved in some sort of violence or drugs and trying to prevent that a lot of what police officers do is extremely preventative to rob a city or a community of that is distasteful and i want to talk about this next story about how police officers are being treated this is out of the uh, city of san francisco here in california armed police officers made restaurant staff uncomfortable quote unquote and were denied service 
So three police officers were denied service at a San Francisco restaurant because the staff felt uncomfortable that they were armed. Three armed and uniformed uh, San Francisco police officers came in to dine at a place called Hilda and Jesse. And the restaurant approached these men or women, men and women, and said, we feel uncomfortable with the presence of you and your weapons and politely asked them to leave and would not serve them. <laughs> what is this clown world that we're yeah, living in? It's insane. It's like, and presumably they already, you know, were wearing masks and presented their vax passports right. into the restaurant because that's what you have to do in San Francisco and LA and were otherwise completely compliant, not causing any problems. Yep. And just the fact that they're wearing a police uniform was enough. It's like, this is anti-police bigotry. It is, uh, I don't know, policism. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that these, the, there used to be, uh, a culture of like honor because it's an honorable thing to uh, serve your protect and serve to to ma- devote your career and to put your life on the line to protect the citizens of your city. And when you'd come in, I'd be like, let's, you know, let's buy them a coffee. Let's, uh, you know, just support them. Say thank yep. you, you know, the, all, for all of our military members and our culture has, it's just, this is a sign of just how backwards this progressive ideology has become to where you, you are, dishonoring and uh you know denigrating the 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 very people who do the honorable who are doing the honorable thing with their lives and career choice yeah and of course they get backlash on this and they go well it's not because they're police officers it's because they had weapons that's why we told them not to be in the restaurant you know that that's not not the case and even if it was it's completely unfounded and and the the argument that you know oh it made some people feel uncomfortable or whatever it's like we, we so we now we just have to like make the whole world a safe space, make right. every restaurant a safe. And I guess, Hey, if this is your restaurant and you're in San Francisco where all these crazies live and yep. you're, you know, more power to you, if this is how you want to run your private business, right. I certainly won't be patronizing it. And I certainly will be talking about how absurd your, your the way that you run your private business mm-hmm. is. And I will certainly be encouraging people not to patronize your business and tell everyone they know not to, right. uh, but Hey, free market, whatever. Yep. Uh, but I, th- this, this to me is just such a signal of, of, I don't know how backwards and and back how how uh, regressive this this our culture has become. Right, it just issue. it just speaks to the broader view that people have of not only police officers but the way that we run uh you know communities and the way that we look at crime because all of this is sort of interwoven the the uptake in crime the decriminalization the zero bail the defunding of police the treatment of these police officers in this restaurant it is all interlinked and speaks to the larger shift that our culture is experiencing in regard to these sort of issues and it's clearly not founded in logic or reason it's purely emotional it's this visceral i feel bad about this let's do the most radical thing we can in response to it it's all that it is all that it is to make the whole world a safe space where police are triggering (laughs) white men are triggering my very existence is violence you know what triggered me uh just this video off of the view talking about vaccinations oh fun <laughs> this just keeps getting funner and funner i think we feature the view on our show at least a couple times a week because every time they do a new episode of the view we just get a ridiculous clip from one of their hosts or all of their hosts talking about a specific subject matter it's like a car crash that you can't look away from it, it really really is every it's like groundhog day car crash like you wake up and it's like every single day the same thing happens and it's like oh my gosh but we still can't look away and the added thing that you get on top of that is it's a car crash that also millions of other people watch on a daily basis and then they look at it and they go that's not a car crash i learned something from that that's factual Oh. <laughs> Anyways, here's the uh, the factual car crash from the view. Yeah, 
Well, they don't agree with that. They feel that their greater good is more important than your greater good. Well, you know, it was interesting to me that the argument was being made, if you're vaccinated, why do you care about me being vaccinated? You're protected. And that's why we are at the Omarion, uh, Om Omicron variant, right? That's why we are where we are, because yeah. it's <laughs> mutating. It's becoming this crazy superbug inside of the people that aren't vaccinated. Know, and it, now it's right. affecting us. I don't know why they were not understanding that. We've got like 80 million people they that understand. are not vaccinated. They, and and they understand. They we, don't want to. Yeah, period. We all, we all understand. Choice, but we all understand that so, when yeah. it comes to, for example, secondhand smoking, right? Yeah. yeah. I don't I don't smoke and I don't want you to smoke next to me because I don't want to swallow me. your smoke. But yeah. <sighs> <sighs> How do you hear so many like nonsensical things in a row? I don't and, know. Like, where do you begin? I don't know. I want to uh, where um, I want to um, begin. Uh, Omarion Cron. Omarion Omicron. Okay. Sounds like a '90s rapper name or something. Let's start there. That's I believe her name is Sunny on the on the View talking about the Omicron variant or the Omicron variant, however you pronounce it, and she called it a superbug. Foundationally mis misinformed, like just false on its face. It is not a superbug. It has been reportedly a, a less mild variant of COVID-19. And to go on The View where millions of people watch you, impressionable people, typically mothers with families, watch you and you say that this is a superbug that is mutated because of unvaccinated people, Unequivocally false, 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 false. I know. Where's the where's the uh, false label misleading information warning on this, right. Mark Zuckerberg? Right. Where is it? Uh, what's the YouTube lady's name? I forget. Susan something. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what her name is. Sundar, the CEO yeah. of Google. I don't know. Anyways, where Harag. where's the where are the false labels on this? This is absolutely insane. We know Omicron appears to be more infectious, but mm -hmm. less severe right and she's saying it's evolving into the super bug because and there's she has no evidence she presents no no evidence to say that that it is because of unvaccinated people that um that variants develop which is not claimed by cdc or world health organization website i looked mm -hmm. before this stream uh she's spreading misinformation she really is it's just a lie and then uh the other host goes on to talk about secondhand smoke and how you can't just smoke around me and give me your secondhand smoke. Which, first of all, people can do that. That is actually it's totally fine with an American side. You can pretty much smoke You're wherever. You're gonna spread you... your unvaccinatedness onto me. Right, right. Like outside of like indoor restaurants and facilities and planes, you can pretty much smoke wherever you want, yeah. and people can be exposed to that secondhand smoke regardless, non sequitur. But that is not what it is like when it comes to the argument of being unvaccinated and being vaccinated. I pulled up the study that we showed you guys last week on Friday. Here's the conclusion in this study. As the field continues to develop, clinicians and public health uh, practitioners should consider vaccinated persons who become infected with SARS-CoV-2 to be no less infectious than the unvaccinated person. But if you listen to her tirade, she she never left room for the fact that vaccinated people can be infected yep. by Omicron. She said it's it's happening among the unvaccinated and it's getting worse and turning into a superbug because of vaccinated. It's like you're only allowed to there's no such thing as misinformation as long as it scapegoats unvaccinated people right. and as long as it perpetuates the narrative that COVID is bad and getting worse and nothing, no good news that you ever notice anyone that has good news about a treatment that works mm -hmm. or, uh, the, this, this, uh, variant is not as severe. 
that that gets you know censored immediately right. they, they clamp down on it you're the evil misinformation russia bot whatever but if you say oh things are terrible and this is worse and this is going to kill you and the unvaccinated are causing it then you'll never get dinged for anything it's you're it's, it's a one-way street with this stuff ever and if you're going to argue something toward the vein of mandates which are wrong it is not okay to mandate and they happen to work for a network that has decided to mandate it for all of their employees does not let people in the building without being vaccinated according to uh, joy behar uh but if that's the case for your your claim back up the efficacy do that instead of saying you're just an incompassionate person or you're you're exposing me to your secondhand smoke or making these arguments that have nothing to do with what you are truly arguing. Make a claim that actually holds up the efficacy of what you've chosen to do. And they can't and they don't. They continuously just straw men people and call them names and ask everybody to hop on their bandwagon. That's it. Yeah. Here, the conspiracy theorists, conspiratorial thinking is mm-hmm. I have this this preordained conclusion, this preordained idea, and I'm going to reverse engineer my whole perspective on things from that. The people who are not conspiratorial are like, let's look at the evidence. Let's look at the facts. Let's, they're not afraid to have an honest discussion about everything that we know about these things. And Amala here is presenting plenty of, uh, She's the one citing studies. She's right. the one saying, let's call into, let's look at these objectively. Let's have an honest discussion about this. Uh, the people on TV and in the mainstream media who are going blah, blah, blah. The unvaccinated are causing all this chaos, blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah. We need to lock down harder. We need to mandate harder, blah, blah, blah. COVID's going to, going to kill everything. It's, those are the, they are the conspiracy theorists. They are. Us. Really. They truly are because they are the ones who are, Yeah my gosh placing an entire conspiracy upon us for no reason no reason and no no factual basis to it now before we move on to our next story which features the not so funny comedian uh seth rogan uh we wanted to let you guys know that if you are looking for a job position and you want to work with us here at PragerU, we have a bunch of job openings you can go to prageru.com jobs check out all the job openings that we have here i'll show you what we've got listed so far um if you work as a digital assets a specialist if you're working in graphic design marketing any background there any uh, background in user experiences. We have a lots of jobs listed on our job page. So Amala, what's, what's a user experience designer? A user experience designer looks at like apps and interfaces, right? And tries to develop the best user experience for the greatest outcome of the company. <laughs> uh, okay. That was a pretty good. She asked us what that is before I did. we went live. I did ask. I did ask but them. Cause I was like, I saw what? a video specialist on there. I guess they're trying to get rid of you, Scott. Yes. You. Sorry, Scott. Me. Yeah. Bye guys. But uh, if you guys, I didn't, work- I didn't see any, um, you know, half black female, twenty-one year old influencers on there. Sorry, guys, jobs taken. Jobs taken. Jobs taken. <laughs> Quotas <I'm>, filled. <laughs> <laughs> but if you do anything else, if you have any other skills, check out our jobs page and see if we have a job that fits you guys. Because I constantly get DMs from you guys on my Instagram at the Omelette saying, "How can I work for PragerU? How can I get involved?" This is one of the ways. PragerU.com/jobs. PragerU.com/jobs. How we've answered that unequivocally. Yes. People have. keep asking where Will is. By the way, I don't know. I hope he's okay. Yeah. Will seems to be fine. He's just not here. He's just not here. He made a couple reels today. So we know yes, he's he like lunching. But he's he had active. a mysterious reason. Y'all can ask him tomorrow. Yeah, exactly. Find him on social media. Will will fill us in tomorrow <laughs> on why he's not here. <laughs> <laughs> he's fine. Now, uh, guys, last story here. CNN fires Chris Cuomo after probe into his efforts to help his brother. So it's, it's no longer, I forget how they worded it before. Uh, suspended indefinitely or something like that is how they worded it before pending investigation now he has been fired 
Couldn't have happened to a nicer guy. Couldn't have happened to a better, more honest uh, guy with with more journalistic integrity than Mm. I have in my pinky finger. (laughs) So (laughs) I wonder what uh, I mean, this is a very technical thing. So they must have had a lot of help from legal analyst Jeffrey Tubin to uh, (laughs) dissect what specific violations of the law and ethics. You know, we definitely need Jeffrey Tubin to to parse out from CNN why this happened. I bet Jeffrey Tubin took a strong look at all the documents and all the testimony regarding the sexual assault. I'm sure he hopefully gave not that too a strong, strong look. <laughs> not too strong look. And hopefully not on Zoom. Yeah. <laughs> but Chris Cuomo will no longer be at CNN. Uh, he will no longer be a host at CNN because of what he decided to do with his brother, which involved looking into his sexual assault case, conferring with other media outlets, other journalists uh, with Andrew Cuomo's aides and trying to do a little back and forth to, you know, help help his help his bro out. So now we have Andrew Cuomo and Chris Cuomo. Next, the gone. Dynasty's over. Eighty-sixth, yeah. The dynasty is done. The the brotherly nepotistic dynasty is done for. Yeah, I mean, it. I, I don't. I just like don't care. It's yeah. like it's it's cool that just. I mean, you know, it's it's like okay, people that we don't like got what was coming to them. Right, and got I a guess peg there's, taken. There's a little, I guess there's a little satisfaction out of that. But at the end of the day, CNN's going to keep doing CNN and. I will say though, like what, like him and Don Lemon, mm-hmm. what, and, and all, all these CNN talking heads, it's like this weird skill set of they're, they're not quite commentators. Like they don't, you're not, you don't go to them for intelligent commentary on things. And you also mm-hmm. like, no one's looking to see like, Oh, I got to hear what Don Lemon says about this. I mean, maybe that, maybe some maybe people think, that, but it's like, what qualifies either one of them to be the, 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 the expert that I'm listening to on anything. And, and then that we, you're definitely not going to them for objective news either uh, at CNN. So anyway, it's just like this weird, they're, they're just like these talking heads and like, there's so much much better places like well i'm alive to get your information yeah. than these airheaded people it, i don't know and that's the that's the issue with journalism today is yeah. that if we were sticking true to the actual rules of journalism to journalistic integrity it would not matter who was sitting in front of the camera and giving you the news if we were actually following right. the rules right. of how to deliver news but we are not following it it's not news it's chris cuomo's opinion it's not news it's don lemon's opinion it's not news it's john Reed's opinion yeah yeah, yeah it's, it's exactly what it is and uh if we were following the rules, it would not matter, but clearly we're not. And I have a feeling that this firing of Chris Cuomo is going to be to put a bandaid on what is a much larger issue. And uh, Chris Cuomo has come out and said that his his boss, Jeff Zucker, who did do the firing and the suspension, knew full well of what he was doing the entire time, that he was going back and forth with Andrew Cuomo and his aides and all mm-hmm. the other journalistic outlets journalistic outlets if we can call them that so this is really just scapegoating a person who was part of a much larger i think plot to help out andrew cuomo uh but again that's allegedly i'm just speculating there just speculating just it's all speculation um but yeah that's what i feel like is happening here i mean good for us chris cuomo's gone but whatever they're just going to replace him with another personality that's probably far more abrasive and far more uh, outward about their woke leftist views so yeah We'll I see. Don't, yeah, I don't know what more there is to say. Maybe if it. we're lucky, it'll be a woman of color. <laughs> That's exactly what I'm going to see here. Maybe they can poach Joy Reid. Right. Maybe MSNBC will fire Joy Reid for being a total hack. A and then CNN will pick her up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one can only hope, right, guys? 
Uh, let's get into our final segment of the day, and that is Dear Will and Amla. You guys submitted your advice questions to my Instagram, again, at the Amla Epinobi. If you guys want to get featured on our show, have your Instagram handle featured and have us talk about your advice problems. <laughs> um, you can always follow me on Instagram. Every single Monday, I put out a post where I ask you guys to submit questions, so it'd be cool to get featured on the show. I also do it throughout the week on uh, Tuesdays and Wednesdays, sometimes on Friday as well. So keep a lookout on my Instagram for those prompts, and you guys can have a chance to be featured now here's the first question it's not going to be dear will and amala it'll be dear taylor and amala today dear taylor and amala is it wrong for me as a black man to not have a political side this was sent in by seth uh lapierre seven seven now i'll jump right off the bat first of all it does not matter that you're a black man so we'll go ahead and take that out of the equation whatsoever is it wrong for me to not have a political side is the is the true question um okay I'm not even in favor of having a political side, period. I think you should just find out where you lie politically on different issues. And sometimes that'll be on the left. Sometimes that'll be on the right. Sometimes it'll be sort of a centrist or a moderate view. I don't think you should feel any pressure to say I'm a leftist or I'm a conservative or I'm a centrist or whatever the the word may be. Uh, Do I think it's wrong to not have a political opinion on something or to not be involved in politics, I think is the heart of the question. And... It depends. I think it's sort of necessary at this point. Do you? I mean, I don't know. To the degree that um, politics, I mean, the, the problem is the, the influence of politics in anyone's life in America mm-hmm. is basically unavoidable at this point. So if you are putting your head in the sand about all the issues of the day, uh-huh. like I think generally we have responsibility to know who we are, know what we believe, know what our values are and Mm -hmm. know how to relate those into the real world so that we can, um, one, live them out ourselves, but two, try to build a society that reflects our values and our, and our beliefs. And, and there, that, politics is sort of working out what does that look like in policy in on the governmental level and it's not that you if you're like a young person out there that you need to be an expert on every right. little thing of politics to but you shouldn't you should generally have a sense of who you are and where you stand on things and I, I think that is important and I don't think it's I also don't think it's wrong to be a little more open-minded and, and be like I need to learn more about all this stuff before I come on some like there's a, there the the unhealthy opposite of what this guy's describing is mm-hmm. just being an activist and just yep. I'm all in on this side and yep. it's, you're not because you're not really thinking for yourself at that point you're just like here's what this side thinks I'm gonna mindlessly buy into every talking point of this side and be a huge mouthpiece for all that and like that that's not really making you out to be a thoughtful person so the fact that you have some hesitation to me signals that like you know you're a thoughtful person and you want to mm-hmm. weigh things and and or you just don't you know, you see how toxic the whole political world is and, and, um, that's not attractive to you. And I can't blame you for that, but generally I would say you you should be informed. You should know who you are. You should know what your values are. You should know how those relate to the real world and you should know the threats to your values and, uh, what, what the, how to fight those. And you should have a stake in that fight. But, um, it, I think there, I don't know, there are, there are shades to this and I think it's there easy are. to fall on one end or the other of like, oh, I'm not going to care at all and bury my head in the sand or I'm just going to be a mindless activist. And it's like, yeah, no, think critically about, about the issues of the day, but yeah, you know, don't, don't be in either of those ditches. And I think when people think politics, or at least when I was younger, the first thing that came to mind when I thought politics was the, the hierarchy of it all. Like, who do I care about when it comes to president? Who am I battling with Twitter or with on Twitter and on Facebook and on Instagram? And who am I screaming at over all these big issues? What 
is my opinion on the relationship between China and Taiwan. And that's really not what politics is. I think you'll find a, if you do a deep dive into your lifestyle and like deep dive into your lifestyle and what you do every day, a lot of it is politics. Like when you wake up in the morning, is there a homeless man outside my door? That's politics. Uh, when what day of the week does the garbage man come to pick up my garbage? That's local politics. And if you're going to get into politics, I think what truly necessitates it is local politics and that's what's truly going to affect you that's what's going to affect how your kid is being taught in school it's going to affect what your community looks like it's going to affect whether or not your streets are clean it's going to affect whether or not your house is getting robbed things like that and people don't realize that as being politics they think that that's sort of culture or you know just the way that their city is but you have a direct effect on that so there's no need to label yourself a Republican or a Democrat or, right. and go through all that and go through the arguments and talk about the president and all that uh, local politics is super important though I would say, if anything, get involved in that and yeah. or get a baseline. That's where you have the most impact. Yeah. Well, yeah. That's um, what truly affects you. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, the way the question is phrased is, is it, a, is it wrong for me to not have a political side? Right. And I would say definitely not, not wrong at all. to have a side, but it'd be less concerned. But I think the way that you're thinking about it is, oh, well, I guess I need to choose one side or the other. And the reality, I think what Amla and I are both saying is you don't. You need to think about the issues and educate yourself mm -hmm. and, and know what you believe about these issues and yep. know how to advocate for your values and interests at your local community and your state and your city and uh, nationally. And that's, that is civic engagement. That's politics. And we do encourage that. Right. Yeah. Sides we don't really encourage. And Taylor and I talk about this all the time because people will walk up to us and we will like go out and people say, well, what do you do? And we say, well, we work for a sort of semi-political nonprofit or whatever. And they go, oh, well, what side? And our response is always, well, ask me a question about a particular issue and I'll tell you how I feel about it. Because the moment that you say you subscribe to a certain political side, people have already decided what they think about you before you've even talked any further than that mm -hmm. so i'm i'm really discouraging of political labeling and things like that anyways next yeah. question dear will anomala dear taylor anomala <laughs> is 30 too late for a career change that would require a four-year degree and this is from keto crow no absolutely not uh so I get this question asked a lot. A lot of older people will reach out and say, well, I don't know what to do with my life or I've suddenly found out something that I'm passionate about and I want to pursue it, but it requires school or it requires a change of pace or it requires a change of location. Do it, facilitate it, make it happen because you, you live this life only once, uh, in, in this, in this realm of existence and you know, pursue what you want to do. I always tell the story of my great grandmother, my great grandmother at 59 years old, uh, realized that she was in a position where she needed to provide for her kids and she needed to do it alone. And she went to school and she became an LPN at 59 years old and started working and providing for her children. So it is never too late for you to go and pursue something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. My dad's in his sixties and he's working on his, uh, master divinity right now. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, it's, I'm super proud of him. And I think yep. it's awesome. And I have a good friend who's, uh, who's in her mid thirties and, uh, she, she was a fashion designer for a bunch of prominent fashion brands and mm -hmm. decided she didn't want to do that anymore. And now she's, uh, in staffing and HR and then does really well at it. And she's making better money than she did before. And, right. you know, and that was a, that was a late, I mean, quote unquote late 35. I don't think that's late. Yeah. Um, but but that, that was a quote unquote late career pivot. And, and I think it's totally fine. I would just say like, make sure you know what you're doing, especially if you're having to get a degree for it. Like yep. I, if you're pivoting to gender studies degree and yeah. you want to like be a woke <laughs> professor, like I would say no, but yep. you know, if, if you're going to do the math and like, okay, here's the earning potential for this degree and it'll set me back this much to get it. If I go to this school and mm -hmm. here's my financial aid situation and like figure all that stuff out and then make sure that, you know, count the cost before you build the building or whatever. Right. But, uh, you know, generally, no, it's not, it's not too late to, to start. Be a planner. Next one. 
Dear Taylor and Amala, how do I grow in self-discipline? This is from Mia Brownstein. This one's a tough one. I feel like self-discipline is really like a, a personal journey that you kind of have to go through and you it gets better as you get older. It gets easier as you get older. Specifically for me, I was the worst procrastinator as a kid uh, and as a teenager would never do anything until the very last minute. I would like wait with all my school papers, wait with scholarships, wait with everything and do it the night before, you know, like two hours before the deadline. And it wasn't until I, I, I like thought about my faculties and how capable I was of not doing that and how mm -hmm. easier your life becomes when you don't do those things that I developed a sense of self-discipline. There's a great story involving Amala and I guess procrastination uh, <laughs> yeah. that we talked oh, about yes, today. We did. We yeah. Did. Yeah. Talk about it. Uh, yeah. Go so Amala came, was coming to work like, um, stressed out for weeks on end because <laughs> her, she had a leaky tire and her yep. tire in her car kept leaking air. And she's like, yeah, I had to fill it up again. Hey, this light came on. What does that mean? And this and that. And like, you know, oh, well, well uh, do you think it'll make it in through the weekend? And she's uh -huh. like, always asking me about this air tire. And she said she even got to know the people at the gas station because of how frequently she would go <laughs> yeah. put air in her tire, which good on you, strong independent woman. Maybe right, do right. That. But when was that? When did you go get it fixed? The other day. Last week, Last right? weekend. Yeah, last yeah, week last she texted week. me and was like, do you know any tire places in the area? I need to go. I think I need to finally do this. Because I was telling her, like, I'm sure it's just a plug job. You can get it. But if not, you know, maybe maybe you will have to replace the tire. Right. But you should probably replace two at once is the general wisdom at least. But, you know, if it's since your tires are all pretty new, I think you'd get away with just yeah. replacing the first one. Anyway, I was like giving her all this advice and stuff. And then <laughs> it turned out you went and you went and to the to one of the places I recommended. They fixed it in like 20 minutes. Yeah, and it less, costs like man. 20 bucks. Yeah. And now you have no issues and all that stress that you're facing in your life because of your procrastination is gone. So anyways, such a good but, story for yeah, it. Yeah, it is. It but, is. but the point is that like, uh, Discipline, like this is Jocko Willing's whole thing. Discipline mm -hmm. equals freedom. You would have been free from all that heartache yep. of filling up your tire over and over again if you just had the discipline and wherewithal to address the issue in your life that was preventing you, that was causing all this other stuff. And there's so much dysfunction in life and so much wasted time and energy. Like you said before, I know how much I'm capable of getting done. I know how much I'm capable of as a person, mm -hmm. but because I am, you know, wallowing in the, the consequences of my procrastination in the, or I'm just being lazy. You're the opportunity cost of right. the peace of mind and the freedom to invest that time that you're using to do that in other things and the freedom that you the otherwise mental bandwidth that you'd have if your life wasn't cluttered by all the obstacles that you put in your own way. Um, you just deal with those issues. And Jordan Peterson has the, um, that illustration, uh, the story about the, 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 the baby dragon that grows when you ignore it. Mm -hmm. And, um, it become until it becomes this thing that like will consume your whole life and your whole house. And, uh, the idea is like, what are those dragons in your life right now that you're like turning a blind eye to? Is yep. it and 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 find what those are, eradicate those before they become something that steals you, uh, that steals away your life in a much bigger way. Yeah, not having self discipline is harming you in some way. Whether that's the loss of time, whether it's added stress, whether it's like physical harm and like things that you're doing, like smoking or drinking alcohol. Think about that. You know, like as a kid, when they used to tell you, like, if you have a bad habit, put the rubber band on your on your wrist and flick it every time you feel like doing whatever it is that you're going to do. And it's because it's a negative form of reinforcement. You're remembering this bad thing is associated with that. So when I'm not when you're not doing your homework, you're not doing that project for your job. Think about the negative things that are that are uh, associated 
associated with that and you will feel that same that same rubber band flick but uh, but up here you'll know that oh i need to just get this done i need to push through and just give it the time yeah yeah and if you don't you like you will suffer and that's yep. like the next time amla has a leaky tire i guarantee you yep. what, what are you going to do it's going to be fixed i'm going to go straight to the, the guys but, but you had to suffer the first right. time um, and to develop an appreciation. The hardest thing to do, for, I think, in the world is to take wisdom's word for it, to like earn the fruits yeah. of wisdom without having to suffer uh, with the lack of wisdom. But the best, I mean, the thing, the, the hardest teacher, the thing that will give you discipline is suffering from your lack of wisdom and right. from your lack of discipline. Um, but don't wait for it to get there. Be proactive. Figure it out. Jocko Willink's answer to how do I get more discipline is be disciplined. <laughs> Just do it. Right. Make it. And, and be a marker of your mistakes and try to make mistakes only once. Like, you know, uh, this, this tire not getting filled is a mistake that will only be made once. And now forever it's going to be mm -hmm. a yeah, problem with That's the tire. Huge. You go and do it. Yeah. Don't, don't, you know, keep banking and making mistakes and just letting them count up and tally up. Uh, do it once and learn from that. Next one. And last one, dear Taylor and Amala, how to continue high school when everybody is woke. I'm only a freshman American Eagle GBA. First of all, finish high school <laughs> you should continue with high school uh it's going to be such if okay if you're having a good time in high school high school is great or whatever but it's still such an insignificant blip in your life for the most part if you're having a bad time that you will you're going to regret not continuing high school so the, the option is not continue or don't continue you have to continue but in order in terms of how you do that i'm sure there are students at your school that agree with you uh, you can find them by just being open about the way that you think or just finding friends that don't particularly want to be political. And Taylor, you have like so many friends who are in disagreement with how you feel philosophically, ideologically, whatever, but you're friends with them outside of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm, I mean, there are, you know, I think this is more of a, how do I cope with yeah. high school as I get yeah. through it? But I think that's the answer is find, find some like-minded people that you can do life with. And if that's difficult, um, in person, mm -hmm. I would encourage you to join Prager Force, our yep. program for our students, uh, from, is it middle school at all the, or high, it's high, high school, school and college, high school, college, yeah, so young professional. you just made it in as a freshman. Congratulations. You're, it's your first year of eligibility to join yes. Prager Force, PragerForce.com. Um, but that's a place where you can connect with people virtually and there's interest groups and all kinds of things like that, that you can find people who share your values that will help you make i'm guarantee you there's plenty of other people in prager force that are going through the exact same thing you are and it'll make you sane to connect with some of them talk to them and but i would encourage you also like i don't whether it's through church or um extracurricular activities you play sports or something like that like find a people who share your values mm -hmm. in places like church or anything else but be like in extracurriculars i i play a lot of beach volleyball that's like my sport and i have tons of friends that i've made through that but the volleyball is like a space that we all share and it makes it safer, even though like we don't agree see eye to eye on politics. That is so secondary to what we do mm -hmm. share and agree on. And we're content to like leave politics out of that and, and have fun. And that, that makes life sane for me here living in terrible LA. So the same yep. way I can survive in LA by having activities like that, by having people that I talk to share values with, um, as well, uh, that, 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 that's how you live. And I, look, I'm not in high school anymore, obviously. Yep. Um, but this is still an issue. Like everyone in LA is woke <laughs> and, yep. and if you all the people I play my sports with and do things in my last job before I worked at PragerU, I was the, everyone was woke. And so how do you survive? It's not going to go away. So you have to figure out, you know, how to have a rich full life, despite the fact that everyone around you is, does not think the same way you do. And those are, that's where I'd start. Yeah. And don't be afraid to go searching for friends. I actually met a, I was at, uh, 
a bar slash restaurant playing pool with some friends and this girl walked up to me because she follows my instagram and she watches the show sometimes and she was talking to me about her experience in la she's out here as an actress and she's like i don't have all of my friends are leftists i have to pretend like i'm a leftist in the industry my boyfriend is extremely left-leaning and we don't share the same values all these things and you can tell it's just like really hurting this girl that she doesn't have people that she can go and talk to and i recommended prager force to her as well uh what we'll do also in prager force is if you're in a certain area and you want to meet other people who are of your age range and in the same area will link you guys up too so there's ways to find friends and to do that but also you there's a, a certain point where you have to sort of take that cliff jump and be open about yeah. the way that you feel yeah. because uh this girl in particular chose to be secretive about it and I'm, I'm sure that will help her as an actress because if you came out as a conservative you probably wouldn't get any jobs but there's a certain point, whether that's in your personal life or uh, in your professional life, that you sort of have to go, no, you know what? I'm not going to hide who yep. I am anymore. And when you do that, other people are going to go, oh, I was hiding too. What's up? Like, yep. hey, it's, it's cool that you said that. And I, I was so scared to say it before because there are millions of people just like living in the shadows, not saying what they want to say. Yeah. Jordan Peterson says, tell the truth or at least don't lie and refuse to lie about your beliefs, about who you are. Never. Right. And like if you if if your friendships are contingent on you putting out a putting out a false premise, that's the recipe for uh, just being miserable and feeling fake. And that's another thing Peterson says is don't do anything that makes you feel weak. And mm -hmm. that'll make you that's morally weak to mm -hmm. not to, to put out a veneer um, and a facade that is different from who you genuinely are. And, yep. you know, don't, if, if the requirement for you to be friends with someone or to live is to uh, put out a false image of who you really are, then that's, you're just going to, it's going to slowly eat away at you and make you mm -hmm. less confident and less uh, whole and proud as a, as a person. And that's not who you should be. Stand up straight with your shoulders back and, and tell the truth. That's a good way to <laughs> close out today. I think that's some a good sage piece of advice for everybody listening. Thank you guys so much for watching Taylor and Amala live today. Hey. <laughs> we appreciate you guys for hopping on. If you would rather listen to us than watch or you want to do both, you can go to Spotify, Google Play, or Apple Podcasts. Follow us on all those apps. Leave us a five-star review to let us know that you love the show. Let everybody else know that you love the show. Guys, leave a comment down below. Maybe answer one of these advice questions. Talk about crime in your city because I know it's different everywhere else. In LA, it's getting pretty bad here what are your cities and towns looking like are, are you scared what are you doing uh and guys please like subscribe click the notification bell to be notified every single day when we go live that is 2 30 pacific 5 30 eastern you get to see our shining faces for exactly one hour every single weekday and join prager force guys if you are a high school student college student or a young professional and you're struggling in school or you're struggling in college you're struggling in your workplace to find people that agree with you and share your values join prager force and you will meet them digitally and sometimes in person because we have people not just in the United States, but all over. Prager Force is now in a hundred countries. How insane is that? I didn't know that. So That's yeah, a lot of countries. anywhere that you are, uh, we can uh, link you up with people who agree with you and, and have your values. Rumble. We're also on Rumble now. Oh, uh, streaming live, true. I believe, every day. So yes. join if you want to not support YouTube yep. and be somewhere that does that supports free speech and doesn't set, suppress and hate and censor conservatives, check us out on Rumble where we'll be uh, live every day going forward now, I believe. Yeah, and we'll so. hopefully never be censored on that platform, which will be a joy for us and something we haven't experienced in a long time. It's refreshing. <laughs> Unless, I mean, hopefully it doesn't get parlored and they shut that off. Like, exactly. So. Right. <laughs> we but tried this Rumble.com. Yeah, check it out. <laughs> Thank you guys for watching. We will see you tomorrow at 2.30 Pacific, 5.30 Eastern. Bye, guys. Peace.